The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar, who follows in his train, who best can drink his cup of It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of an ant. But it is us immortals with whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit immortal horrors, or everlasting splendors. C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. In our pilot episode, we talked about living in a culture of death and how the world reacts to its mortality, fear, or folly. Both lead to a wrong view of death, and we defined our culture's obsession with death and the grotesque as death works, coined by Philip Reef. But here on Death and Glory, we have a solution to live in this sinful world. We don't have to succumb to fear or folly. There's a right way to look at death, and it is through the lens of God's word and the hope of the resurrection from the dead in Christ Jesus. Death and Glory podcast exists to remind Christians to love our King, die with honor, and live with hope imperishable, because Christ has been raised from the dead. We want this podcast to be a hopeful and helpful tool to encourage you, listener, to live the life that God has called to you with confidence. Don't be fearful of death. Don't despair at a world that hates you. You have the hope of the resurrection of Christ. You have been bought with the blood of the Lamb and who is preparing a place for you in glory. So be bold in the name of the Lord in saying that let's jump into our topic today. Why death matters. Why death matters. So that's going to be our our topic today. Why does death matter? Why, why would we spend an entire podcast talking about death? We all know that we're going to die someday, right? Um... Well, the first reason we want to go over is death is a universal experience. I know, shocker, right? Um, this probably has been in the news once or twice in the last, you know, 100 years or so. What a, do you think? A, a term comes to mind, if it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. I like that. So, now, I don't, this is what I do not want from our, our audience, whom we appreciate so much. We don't want to get emails or hate mail about, you know, Enoch and Elijah, okay? No, They're gone. Oh. They're with the Lord. Let them enjoy their peace uh, with he- in heaven. Um, you know, we don't need to go down there. We're not going to solve that mystery today? I don't, I don't think we're going to okay. do that. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I guess we could see if they're available. Yeah. Um, but I think they have better things to do, do right now. You get, like, the witch of Endor over here? And, like, um, probably not again. Knowing how that turned out for Saul... Let's, let's just not. Okay. So besides those two uh, extreme exceptions, um, male, female, black, white, rich, poor, whatever category you want to throw in there, we are all going to die. Death is going to find us. Um, I was actually reading through First Kings uh, this week, and when David is commissioning Solomon, um, you know, to, 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 to take the throne after him, and so he says, when David's time... Uh, to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be mm. strong and show yourself a man. So David is saying, hey, all men, this is what we're going to do. We're going to die one day. Yes, and uh, Moses, Psalm 90, our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Mm. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Amen. So that that's what uh, that's what we all have to look forward to, right? Yeah. Yay! Exciting. Yeah. That's all there is. Right? That's all there is. Yep. Podcast over. Um, Hebrews nine twenty seven. Um, 
just does a good job wrapping this up here. And just as appointed for man to die once, after that comes a judgment. Uh, death is going to to find us all. Now, Peter, you were making an interesting point um, off air earlier. You know, sometimes, you know, as Christians, I think for most of us, we have this idea that, okay, we're going to die. We've come to terms with that. That's obviously a critical part of the Christian faith. But you were talking about how we need to, we need to look at that as something that is, like, on our doorstep. Like, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah, I think there's a way in which we can, um, because it is a, it is, go, we're all going to die. We like to put that in the future, though. We all just like that's a future reality instead of a present reality. But the truth is that it is a reality right here in front of us, mm-hmm. and it's not something that we can just put off for you know when you're 85 years old and sure. that's a long time away. And you know I'm. 30 years old and they got lots of stuff to do and whatever, you know, it is a present reality right now that at any moment you can pass away. Yeah. And that's a good, uh, that's a good reminder even for us believers who do have, you know, eternal hope. Um, but we don't know when the Lord's going to take us home. I mean, think of, uh, think of your own life. I think most of us could probably think of, Maybe a few people that we we even went to high school with. I mean, you and I, what we graduated, what about ten years ago? A little over ten years ago, high school. Yeah, a little over ten years ago. Showing our age here, yeah. not that old. Um, I mean, I can think of several people who passed since then. You know, not even making it to thirty years old. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can think of neighbors. I'm sure you can think of some people maybe in your own family who like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to be with them till till we are in our 80s and we're fat and old and you know sitting around. But they never did. That was not the Lord's plan for them. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to be thinking as believers um, that death, death is coming for us all. So, that's point number one. Point number two: um, why death matters. Death has eternal ramifications. So, hmm. unlike um, what I think most of our culture thinks about death, I don't know. Would you say our culture has come to grips with? That everyone is moral. Um. Well, I think that where you're going with that, you could de- you can see us moving the way of like Canada, where if you remember this week, uh, there was that ad released um, where a business like sponsored some lady who was going to go kill herself to go film an ad on the beach and you know think about oh this is so peaceful and this is mm, waves right. and narrate right. this and whatever assist well, uh, assisted assisted suicide. suicide yeah it's assisted suicide yeah. in Canada and i you know we're moving that direction where that is going to become more and more acceptable that the way out the way to escape the temporary suffering of this life is to just go kill yourself sure and um, so i don't but i don't know that that's still I mean, suicide is obviously sinful. It's wrong. Um, but I don't know that that's really our culture coming to grips with it. Sure. It's more of trying to find an escape. Yeah, they don't understand the weightiness yeah. of really what that means. Because I think, I mean, and you could have the de- you could have the debate. We do live in a pluralistic society, whatever. But we've been so influenced by a naturalistic way of thinking mm-hmm. that... I think most people, even if they they say they believe in a higher power, spiritual power, even God, and you can fill in the blank, you know, with whatever you think that means for them, um, eternity and what comes after death usually is not something that people think too often about. Now, and I think, and I think one of the big reasons why is because you throw Darwinism into the mix, mm-hmm. where you know, okay, there is no God, there. Um, you have no soul. Everything is physical and material. The problem with that is that the Bible is really clear about what they have to say about people who say, oh, there is no God. I mean, if we're being really honest here, because the Bible's really honest, atheists are fools and they're liars. They, they lie about who God is and who they are and who God has created them to be. And they're foolish for thinking that, that this is it. And like we just read in the Lewis quote, like, there are no mere, mere mortal people running around. Um, I guess you could say that about your dog, 
or, you know, the pet bird you had when you were 10. Mm -hmm. But those people that you interact with every day, those are people who are going to live for eternity. Those are people who are not going to die per se. You know, there is something, there's something about, you know, hell, eternal death. I think Pastor Logan uh, here at SEC did a good job pointing that out, um, preached over John 3.16 mm-hmm. last week, talking about, you know, what eternal life is. And he was getting into John 17, Jesus, high priest of prayer. Like, eternal life is knowing the Lord, having an intimate knowledge of knowing who God is and fellowshipping with him. There's, there, I think he said uh, union. Union was yeah. a word that he repeated several times. There's a union with our Creator and our Savior, whereas eternal death, hell is a separation from all of from all of God and all of the good things that come from God. Yeah, and there's there's um I think there's a way in which we like to think about that as just like kind of a blackness or uh maybe in a even in maybe an annihilationist sense or something like that. Sure. Like, well that's maybe not permanent or whatever. But um just to read a quote, it, it is meant to punish them by inflicting intense and eternal pain. It's not purgatory. It's not a pl- it is a place of absolute justice. They'll be legally punished for their crimes. Mm-hmm. And to think about hell in that way, um, I gives it a much weightier sense to it. Sure. Versus just kind of this like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you're just kind of out there and think of, you know, the blackness of outer yeah, space or something like that. kind of escapist like. kind of view yeah. of things. Um, but... I think there's a way that you can you can try to make yourself feel better right now about the way that you're sure. living and what you're doing and the fact that you aren't actually um, that you aren't living rightly. Right. And you're not right before God. Sure. Um, by either thinking that okay, well, you know, I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven, mm-hmm. which is what probably seventy. Seventy-five percent of people yeah, in the country. Yeah, it's the default the position. Default position. Sure. Or thinking of hell as just, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, I believe in hell, but what, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, just be a big party and whatever. Yeah. yeah so what? We're not in heaven, but yeah. like, what's the what's the deal? I mean, who cares? You know, all my friends will be there, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've actually heard someone say that before, like, you know, and that. <clears throat> excuse me. That is not at all. Like what it's going, it's going to be no. eternal torment, sure, and eternal um, being eternally unfulfilled of your like most basic desires because you are apart from God. Right, and we have no idea what that actually feels like here on Earth because yeah. of His His common grace for us. That's exactly what I wanted to bring up: common grace, like even for the unbeliever. For, for an unbeliever, and we'll pick, I guess we'll just pick on atheists today, yeah. for them to say that God is not good or he's a mean, angry God, mm-hmm. like, to really think through that, if God was to take his hand of common grace off of the world, yeah. that would, I mean, would that be hell itself mm-hmm. in a way? I mean, that would be terrifying. It, I hadn't thought about that way, but it would be the ultimate... Like kind of Darwinian, uh, red in tooth and claw. Like yeah. It, you know, every man for himself. So yeah. yeah, I think you could describe that as... Everything's fair game. So. It's just death. And there's no right or wrong to it, yeah. right? If God's not g- given us a law to live by, then we're just making things up as we go along. And, you know, if, you know, murder and rape and all those things, they're just preferences, you know, at that point. Yeah, and I think you can see how everyone... You know, I mean, there's a, that's a phrase you see over and over again in the Old Testament. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. And we kind of, I mean, we see a lot of that now. Oh, sure. In our culture of people thinking that I'll just do what's right in my own eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in our city, you know, we hit, I think we're at like 159 or something like that murders this year in Kansas City. It's one of the highest, like, per capita in the nation, right? Yeah, one of the highest per capita in the nation. But, I mean, what it, you know, what's done about that? We're out prosecuting what is not really a problem, mm-hmm. you know, passing laws that, you know, 
uh, celebrate evil, celebrate death, while at the same time allowing those who are committing crimes and actually harming others mm. to go free because, you know... People are living like there's no God. Yeah. Right? And that should be that should be a motivation for us believers, for sure, to get to know our neighbors, mm. our co-workers, to show them, hey, there is a God. He has given us a standard to live by. And unfortunately, neighbor, co-worker, you do not meet up to those standards. You're a sinner. You, you know, you've committed treason against your creator. But the good news is, is that that there's hope in that. So I want to read Luke 16, 19-31. I think it's a pretty familiar passage for everybody. Um, but this is, uh, this is a glimpse. Now, some people say it's a parable. Some people say it's a real story. I kind of, I tend to lean toward, it's a real story. I don't know where you fall on that. I would lean on that. Um, but this is, um, you know, death has eternal ramifications. This is an amazing and very sobering picture that Jesus gives us in the Gospels um, of, of what that looks like. So this is Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at the gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, whose desire to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came out and licked his sores. The poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in cool in, in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in like, in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that they may, that he may warn them, lest they also come into this, pal this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should raise from the dead. So that is our picture that Christ gives us, that death has eternal ramifications. Now, we're not going to get into uh, that very kind of shocking uh, end, end of that passage there, where Christ says, you know, if they do not hear most of the prophets near, uh, they will not be convinced if someone's raised from the dead. That's another episode. <clears throat> But think about that as you go about your, as, as you go about your your week, saints, um, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, and I, I know for a lot of us, our families, uh, we have members in our family who don't believe the Lord, and who need to hear this. And like we said in our first point, they are going to die at some point as well, and they need to hear the gospel because what's waiting for them on the other side is is death and torment. Yeah, and I think there's. Um... You know, like our our motivation should be God's glory, right? Amen. But there is a sense in which this, and you know, actually hearing the reality of death, kind of makes you go, "Oh man, whoa, whoa! I don't want my loved ones to suffer." Like yeah, that. right. And that's I don't know that that's that's not a perfect motivation, you know, but I do think if that gets you out of your shell or whatever you want to say to actually go have that discussion. Mm -hmm. I think that's better than not having that discussion. Sure. Um, even if ultimately, you know, that isn't our, you know, our, our goal isn't just to, you know, get out of hell. Right. That isn't, you know, and just, you know, then uh, our, our goal is to spend eternity in union with God mm -hmm. and for, you know, in glory. Right. But I think... The uh, anytime you 
read about or listen to the reality of what eternal torment, eternal separation from God is, it gives you a better perspective and a better understanding and more motivation. Yeah, for sure. So, and I think we, and I know we mentioned this kind of in the in the intro, but like, I think we as Christians can get caught, and maybe even more so in the Reformed camp. We we, we love books, right? Yeah. We love to learn. And that's yeah. a great thing. That's yeah. a that's a great uh, desire that God gives His people is to learn and, and and to learn about who our God is and who we are. That's that's a great thing. I think it can be so tempting though become very bookish, which I think is a bad thing overall. Bookish meaning all we want to do is kind of sit in our little corner, read our books, talk about things like death and the resurrection, but but it never really affects us to to action, to go and do things, to change our life, to um, to be faithful to those commandments that God gives us. Because those are hard commandments to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lord gives, says, hey, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Amen. But actually having the faith to be like, okay, I am going to pray for so-and-so at work today. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pray for an opportunity to speak to them about Christ. And that opportunity comes, and, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna shrink back a little bit. <clears throat> or, eh, I'm going to change the subject. Or, eh, things are feeling like, you know, maybe they're a little hostile here. And so that is not, we, we don't want to be the, the podcast that's, that's just super heady and we're, we're talking about these things from, you know, just a, you know, a, a fun theological discussion, although I think it is. But we really want these things to get into to your hearts and your souls and to really stir you to take action for the Lord. Um, I mean, we talk about the glory of the Lord, um, being faithful, being faithful to him, um, you know, pleases the Lord. So... While Peter is looking something up, I'm going to oh. go through one more passage of Scripture real quick. So, we're still on our second point here. Death has eternal ramifications. Um, I wanted to hit uh, judgment. You know, we talked about in Hebrews where it says, "Is appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. This is from Matthew 25, 31-46. Probably another familiar passage for you guys. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And just in case you're wondering, all does mean all there. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as, as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked or sick, or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is because, you know, kind of like we were picking on the atheists earlier, this is not going to be this super black and white um, experience, and this is what I mean by that. It's not just going to be all of these people on Jesus' left who are just these hardened, you know, criminals like we would see on TV who, who just hate everybody, they hate God, they're, you know, the Nazis of the world. That's not that's not just who we're dealing with here. Those eternal ramifications of hell are also going to are also going to be um, realities for people who thought that they were serving the Lord, genuinely. Some people who gave their lives 
to quote unquote serve the Lord in some manner, whatever that would look like. And Jesus says that not all of those people are going to be welcomed into into his glory. Because either they weren't doing it for for the real, true, living God, mm-hmm. or because they were doing it out of a, a selfish motivation. Yeah, pride. Pride, glory, honor, and, and, and you know, the bad versions of those things. Yeah. Well, this, uh, I think this is a pretty familiar quote to a lot of people, but um, in uh, the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, in, uh, I think it's letter 12. We like Lewis today. Yeah, he's, he's pretty great. You will say that these are very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. The enemy being Christ. It does not matter how small the sins are provided, uh, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Hmm. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So our road is narrow, brothers and sisters in Christ. The road that uh, Jesus said that leads to, I'll quote Bunyan here, the celestial city, it's going to be hard. It's a hard life. Um, it's it's difficult. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, but... We know on the other side, there is glory for us. And and the other options are things that we would never want for our worst enemy. If we, were, if, you know, if we truly thought about that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's beyond our comprehension. Yeah, I, we agree. There's no way that we can actually understand what eternity is. Yeah, j- grasp me, not even the pain, suffering, yeah. just the, the time aspect. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't fathom that. Yeah, we can try to put a number on it, but... There's, it's just not possible for yeah. us to understand that. Yeah, it's not for it's not for finite minds to <clears throat> to understand. So, anything you want to hit on on that second point anymore? Do you think we're good to go? Uh, I don't, yeah, I think we can move on to okay. point number three. So, what do you think? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. So, point number one: death is a universal experience. That's why death matters. It's going to affect us all, and it, and it has affected all of us in some way, um, whether we are savvy to that or not. Uh, two, death has eternal ramifications, obviously. And three, death matters because we cannot understand the Christian faith without it. So, and I kind of want to break this up into two subpoints because I'm a good Baptist. Um, it would so, be three, wouldn't it? Well, it would. I guess I don't know, maybe the third point is the start of the number one okay. and then there's two after that I don't know I'm not good at math anyway uh, so death matters because we cannot understand the Christian faith without it um, understanding understanding death uh, its curse is I mean it's foundational it's it's there Genesis chapter 3 it, it, it kicks off everything else um, God and so this is I guess this is my sub point God uses death for cursing I mean, God promised Adam and Eve, okay, the day you eat of this, you will surely die. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. God uses death for cursing. We see that all through Scripture. We see all that throughout human history. When people sin, because they are sinners, God, that, that brings about death. It brings about physical death. It brings about, um, you know, all the bad things that happen out in the world that are seemingly random or bad, you know, natural disasters. Those things are not just because, you know, Mother Nature's angry at us because we're um, treating her poorly or whatever. No, that, that is a consequence of sin. So God uses death for cursing, but here's the really interesting point, is that God has also used death through his Son to bring about eternal life for his people. So we, we, we see this death and resurrection motif, I guess you'd call it, mm-hmm. um, all over the place. We see it, obviously, in Scripture. We see it in, in literature, mm-hmm. I mean, all the time. And then, I mean, if you just look out your window, I mean, what season look, are we in now? Looking pretty dead Yeah, it's there. looking pretty dead out there. Those trees are looking pretty sad um, on this very cool, crisp day in December. 
but there's beauty in knowing that there will be new life. New exactly. Life. Yeah, you're right. So God is, I mean, he's woven those things into the fabric of creation. And speaking of nature, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, starting in 35, but some will, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed perhaps of wheat or another grain, but God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There's one flesh for humans and other for animals, another for birds and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. So anyways, we can keep going. But, you know, that kind of same metaphor of, if you think of a seed, you know, it has to actually die, decompose, mm -hmm. yeah. for the new life to spring forth from right. it. That's God's, God's woven that directly into... And you and I would never think of doing something like that. Like, that no. seems ridiculous. That seems foolish, yeah. right? Yep. How does something have to die for new life to come about? Well, that's that's how God uses things in his in His infinite wisdom. So, Amen. Uh, and that kind of gets to our second point as well in that. Um, I'll hit the third point again. Death matters because we can't understand the Christian faith without it. Sub-point B... Death matters because in order to live with Christ, we must first die and suffer with him, just pretty much like Peter has read. We must die to sin and to ourselves, and we must suffer like Christ. And I'm, I'll throw out a few verses here, and we can read a few. Philippians 3, 1 through 11, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Acts 14, 21 through 22, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13, Luke 14, 25 through 33. Um like I just said a few minutes ago, the Christian life is not an easy life. It requires death. Death is is going to be a part of that. Um, and we are going to have to go through some kind of suffering to varying degrees and in varying times. But suffering is going to be a part of the death because that's what our Lord went through. Amen. In fact, uh, kind of a rabbit trail here. but This is Peter rabbit trail. What, when you think of death, what is it that actually makes you fear death? Because to me, it isn't so much the actual death itself and passing from, you know, your spirit passing mm -hmm. away from your physical body. Yeah. It's the suffering. Sure. You know, it's like, well, if I got shot in the head, okay, I'm, you're pretty much lights out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if you wreck your car down the side of a hill and no one finds you for, for like three days... Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, I read a book. You know how they did like the reading list at the library and you get a free book? Mm -hmm. One time, my free book was some book about like a guy getting in a car wreck and he goes down the hill. Self-lifting. Yeah, he goes down the hill. He's like stuck. He, his leg's pinned in underneath like the dashboard. He can't get out. He is able to like, you know, I think he ends up surviving. But anyway, it's just that thought of being trapped in a car and dying all alone out, mm -hmm. you know, where there's no hope of anyone finding you. And right. just the excruciating pain that would come with it. I think that's what bothers me more than the actual death. What about you? The trans, Yeah, the transferring from the yeah. natural realm, I yeah, guess we like call I don't, it, to, you know, spiritual realm. Yeah, I don't really fear that. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would be in that camp. I would think that most people would, too. Like, I mean, I guess there's a sense where people, I think people are afraid of things they don't understand mm. or, or the unknown, I guess. So I could see someone who, you know, who isn't a believer mm -hmm. be afraid of death in that aspect, you know. Because they, they have a sense of knowing that, I mean, Romans 1, God, yeah, you know, God exactly. has revealed himself. I mean, people are without excuse. Right. They, they know at some level. I agree 100%. I think yeah. there is some kind of intuition written on people's hearts. Yeah that people don't want to die. Oh, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to die because they know that there is something out there. They might not particularly know what it is. But I think that God has also written it on their heart to know that they are guilty of something mm -hmm. and that there is going to be some kind of reckoning or judgment after that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why you see so often... Um, I. I haven't fleshed this all the way throughout, but I think the reason why we see the uh, 
like the woke movement, like the Me Too movement type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a guy who did something who's probably a shady guy to begin with, but like, you know, all these women start coming forward years and years after, and it seems like we just pile on all this quote unquote justice on this guy. Oh, we got to make him pay for for this. We got to make him pay for that, and I think that's because people don't have an understanding of even if because God is good and he is just even if that person never experienced or suffered judgment under human institutions God is still going to judge him eternally or her you know it doesn't have to be him I guess um, but because we do have that naturalistic thinking we have to be the judges right we have to put the full force of you know whatever it is whether whether it's as you know, not that being canceled is good, but whether it's as light as being canceled or whether it's, you know, having the death penalty or spending the rest of your life in jail, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so I think people people, people do know that there's something after that. I, I think it's just more of a refusal to admit it, mm-hmm. you know. When, uh, I wasn't going to go here, but when, how old were you when you knew uh, you were going to die? Or, or understood death, I guess, as a concept. Ooh. That's a tough question. I don't know if I've ever consciously thought about when I. First I don't know if there was like a like a, maybe a funeral you went to as a kid or like yeah, a, I mean, a pet I dying. I know that's kind of a lot of kids' first experiences of death, like a pet dies or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, when I was a really young kid. I mean, I don't remember this, but I, you know, I had a couple different dogs die, and then I remember my like one of them. Uh, I remember our dog getting old. My dad mm-hmm. took to the vet. Um, but I still don't know that I really thought about myself dying that way okay uh probably when my grandfather on my mom's side so grandfather on my mom's side died so it was like in the eighth eighth grade and um went down for the funeral and like mm-hmm. it was an open casket and so then you see the body there and it's a little more real yeah uh and then when i was in high school one of the guys on the football team who was a couple years older died in a car wreck. And that was pretty, like, kind of a wake-up moment. Sure. You, think, you know, you'd, like, just turned 18, that sort of thing. Life's, life's in front of you, you yeah. know, at 18, yeah, yeah. they'll say, yeah. yeah. You'd think that, you know, you got the whole, yeah, you got the whole world in front of you, and then it's like, whoa, you know. And it's just, over. You know, take a turn too fast, and yeah. bam, you're dead. I remember, I don't know why I remember this. This is probably one of my earliest memories my uh, my mom's mom passed away when I was probably three, maybe four. I, I can't remember. And I really don't remember my grandma that well. But I remember being sad that it happened. And I remember being, I remember sitting in our hallway at our old house. And for some reason, my mom and I were talking about it. I have no idea why. And I just remember being really sad that my grandma died. But then something hit me. I was like, if that could happen to her, like, that's going to happen to me too, right? And, like, I remember sitting in my mother's arms saying, I don't I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And, like, my mom's sitting there crying. And, like, it was just this whole emotional thing. And I, I think when we get down to it, when you really when you really pin somebody up against a corner, especially those who don't know the Lord, I think that's how they feel too. They feel like a little kid who's scared because either because of the pain or the or the unknown afterward, or, like we mentioned, the judgment that's going to come after that. You know, we are all guilty of sin. So. Do you think that's why we've tried to kind of separate ourselves in Western society from death? Or do you think that that's just kind of like a natural outplaying of the comforts of our, like the decadence of our society? I think, to your second point, I think that is part of it, but I think it really... I think it really hits more towards your towards your first point, though. Um, we, I think, even for those who do live by a naturalistic worldview, I think many of them want to believe in a sense, like they want to, for something to be grand and higher and something out there. But because of science, or you know, pseudoscience, whatever you want to call it. I think they repress that. I think they push that back and be like, I think that's part of the reason why we've, like we talked about in the pilot episode, 
We want to sanitize everything. We don't want to see the dead bodies at the casket. We want to. We want grandma and grandpa to go die in a, in a nice, comfortable nursing home. We're not going to take care of them. We don't have to deal with you know bodily fluids and all that type of stuff. Um. So yeah, I th- I think it hits harder on the first point that we um we we push that stuff away because we're afraid. Because, and we, if if we can somehow um, spruce it up just enough, it, it won't hurt so bad, you know, or it mm-hmm. won't be as painful, or I won't have trauma because of it, mm-hmm. or you know, or whatever. You know, there's lots of different things that play into that. So, how does that, like, how would you then um, challenge our our culture to then realize that death matters because in order to live with Christ, we have to die first and suffer. So kind like of like how would how would you challenge them to view death rightly? Okay, out of that. Okay, so coming out of our really long yeah rabbit trail, our long rabbit, looping back, <laughs> looping way you want to call it. back. So death matters because um, it's 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 essential to understand the Christian faith. Death matters because in order to live with Christ, we must suffer with Him. Um, how do we convince people of that? Great question. I mean, the gospel obviously is the tool. It, it, it's it's the illuminating of God's word on people's hearts, knowing that, um, in and of themselves, they should be scared. Hmm. They should be afraid of what's coming next because in and of themselves they can't do anything about it. They're not God. God is the judge, and we know that God judges perfectly and rightly, and He sees all things. Um, you know, like we read in Matthew. We read in Matthew, um, we, uh, God's going to judge the entire world. And that's not just the world at that time. That's going to be, you know, the resurrection of, of everybody. And everything that's been done wrong, everything that's been done well, everything that's been done well is going to be brought into light. So with that being said, I mean, it's, as simple as that, it's sharing the gospel with people. It's, it's it's telling people that they are sinners and that they need a savior. Um, now, with that, there is a there is a cost to that. Like we have to count the cost. Jesus even says in Luke that um, you know a king is not going to go out to war without you know seeing first how many troops he has, and you know so he doesn't get whooped by the enemy, mm-hmm. or you know a man's not going to go build a house without first seeing if he has enough material to build a house. Um, because if he can't finish it, well then, you know, he's, he's wasted his life. So, we need to be open and honest with people that um, coming to Christ does not just magically make your life better. It's not a Hallmark Christmas movie. It's not a face in the giants. Oh, okay, well I trust in the Lord and now, oh, here's ten babies and here's a new head coach position and all that type of stuff. Like, the there is a true and weighty cost to following the Lord. And we've seen throughout history, and this is actually going to be an episode that's going to come up soon. We've seen, you know, first century martyrs who have been, who were just slaughtered by, by the Romans who were slaughtered by um, the pagans. Yeah. But then we see times in peace where, you know, more like what we live in now, well, you might get called some mean names and, and things like that, but that's still that's still in a sense suffering for the sake of Christ. I mean, putting your reputation on the line, potentially losing your job, so, so you can feed your family, yeah. like that, that's a big deal. Yeah, and that actually that reminds me of um, early on talks of book smart book of martyrs. You know, he says another hardship was that when any Christians were brought before the magistrates, a test oath, oath was proposed. When if they refused to take it, death was pronounced against them. Hmm. And if they confessed themselves Christians, the sentence was the same. So we're kind of seeing a shift towards that in our current sure. society. Mm-hmm. You know, like with this uh, whatever stupid marriage act that just right. passed the Senate. And, you know, they're going to do the whatever, reconciliation between the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. See if it ultimately goes through. I assume it will. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's... Uh, kind of cultural blasphemy laws we saw in, I think it was in England for the last couple of weeks, they've said that there are certain parts of the Bible that shouldn't be said in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially toward the LGBTQ exactly. community. Yeah, so those things, you know, there's going to be a greater cost 
to stay true to the faith, right? to speak the truth, and to live rightly. And, you know, if we can't handle a little bit of canceling here and there and, you know, whatever the minor things are, then how are we expected to die and die with right. joy, you know, as we're literally roasted alive? Yeah, like Bodhi says, that dog won't hunt. Sure. <laughs> that dog won't hunt, man. So, I mean, so thinking about these things, I guess a charge to you, uh, audience, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about... Once you think about our current situation like that, where things are getting a little more uh, real, I guess we could say, as far as the as the suffering is concerned, and you know, you know, the Lord could be gracious and, and lift us out of that, or we could be in for a you know a long run. Um, but I want to take a look at Philippians chapter three real quick and read this to you, um, get the Apostle Paul's perspective on this. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ it may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We do not speak like that anymore. No. And we ought to. Yeah, what a contrast with yeah. our culture of being self-righteous, you know, finding righteousness in yourself and what you've done and the way you think and you're finding your own truth and it's kind of humanistic worldview and um, and not living for eternity. Yeah. Not living for doing whatever possible yeah. to attain For the thing that matters more than, yeah. than anything, than anything else could. So one more scripture I want to read. Um, I was reading through Hebrews a couple months ago and this just... It just jumped out on the page. Uh, Hebrews 13, 12-13. So Jesus also, also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So, brothers and sisters, let's go. Let's go, let's go bear that reproach. I'm not saying it's going to be fun. I'm not going to say it's going to be enjoyable. Um, but there's great blessing for suffering in Christ. And the scripture says we must suffer with Christ if we are to attain, you know, his resurrection. Yeah, we should expect nothing less than suffering. Exactly. Yeah. No. Jesus said, if they're going to persecute, if they persecute me, you better believe they're, they're coming for us next. So, but we have the resurrection before us. We have glory before us. And that should give us the hope and, and um, confidence that we need to see us through those trials. So. Yeah. And again, like we were talking about with eternity in hell. We also can't imagine the immense glory and how beautiful and wonderful that will be. Amen. And the worthwhileness of that. That's not really a word, but, you know. The, uh, we'll make it one. We'll coin it. Word, you know. Yeah, eternity with our Lord. Uh, no suffering. No pain. I mean, think of some of our uh, 70 to 80-year-old uh, saints here in the body. Whose, whose bodies are just, man, they're broken. Mm -hmm. And they have pain and they suffer. No more with the Lord. No more. New body. Perfect body. Wonderful body. So I'm going to wrap things up here in just a minute. Um, something I saw on Twitter the other day. I follow, well, I'm sure it's not J.C. Ryle tweeting himself. Um, I don't think they have Twitter accounts uh, up in heaven. What do you think about that, Peter? I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. It probably wouldn't be heaven with Twitter accounts. So, 
um, just uh, uh, the person uh, posting for J.C. Ryle um, posted these things, six vital certainties, uh, just some things to talk about before we go, or think about before we go. One, life is short and uncertain. Two, death is sure. Three, judgment is inevitable. Four, sin is exceedingly sinful. Five, hell is a dreadful reality. Six, and the best one of all, Christ alone can save. Well, that wraps up our topic today. Peter, what do we have uh, coming up on death and glory? Chrysostom was seized upon for being a Christian. He was put into a leather bag together with a number of serpents and scorpions, and in that condition, thrown into the sea. So in other words, we are going over the martyrs next. Absolutely. Should be very exciting. I think we're going to run through uh, some favorites, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and uh, just kind of a theology of uh, you know how the martyrs did it, how they died for the Lord. Should be a good, uh, this episode would be a good uh, launch pad for that. Yeah, good launch pad, and hopefully that will encourage us to live rightly. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to Death and Glory Podcast. My name is Jordan Parks, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, Peter Asmussen. Uh, please join us here next time. And until then, uh, remember that Death and Glory Podcast exists to remind Christians to love our King, die with honor, and live with hope and perishable, because Christ has been raised from the dead. To Canaan's land I'm on my way Where the soul of man never dies My darkest night will turn to day The soul of man never dies Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell There'll be no tear-dim nights Where all is peace and joy and love Where the soul of man never dies A rose is growing there for me Where the soul of man never dies And I will spend eternity Where the soul of man never dies Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell There'll be no tear-dim nights Where all is peace and joy and love With a soul of